BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by Brian Hooper for a pretty in-depth conversation on how to actually optimally draft best ball teams. I know that uh, generally when Brian and I get together, the topics are a little bit more wide-ranging than that, and we definitely get into a wider range towards the end. But the vast majority of this discussion is about optimally drafting best ball teams and playing Daily Fantasy in 2024. Hope that you guys enjoy. Uh, if you do like the show, please consider subscribing to Patreon, the patreon.com slash takecast for bonus episodes of the show, leaving a rating or review on Apple podcast or just telling a friend about the program all right guys another episode of davis and brian this is going to both function as the take cast on the main feed for this week and as lols for this week i am leaving town i'm going on a skiing trip just checked into my flight uh, i will be in the air in about nine hours uh after after this uploads to uh Go ski down some mountains, and Pete is just bailing on you again, man. He just doesn't care. He doesn't care about delivering the hot DFS drama and gossip to the people anymore. There's no gossip, anyways. But uh, I think he, I think the man wants a little time off after football. Yeah, you know, I, look, I'm already, I'm in the big board. I'm drafting Chase Brown ahead of ADP. I got, I got ADP shamed by your, by your tool. People are <laughs> are coming at me left, right, and center, saying that I am too much of a nit with these uh with these average draft positions i had to i was i was like look like you know doing some work in r and then i and then i go and look uh at the biggest sample sizes i know all you guys have 150 so i could go look and if it's summed right or averaged right and i'm like that's a pretty big discrepancy between you and pete and pat on your uh standard deviation of draft well it's actually i mean obviously you know if you told me if you had you had me guess you know, at how much am I differentiating? I would not have guessed many. I would not have guessed, you know, within seven picks of ADP cumulatively across, you know, whatever 150 times 18 is. And I really would not have guessed that I was so close uh, to ADP after what the start of round 15 after pick 167 or whatever yeah. that 14. that was after 14. that was. Yeah, that was startling. I, I'm going to I'm going to yeah. play different. I'm going to play different in yeah, honest- for sure. 
I was just going to send that to you anyways, but then I thought it'd be funnier to publicly shame you. But yeah. I was going to say, like, it looks like you definitely need to get a little more, um, you, you know, by the way, maybe they're wrong and you're right. Like, but uh, we don't know for sure. But No, it's because the payoffs of the game are, I. it is, sure, it's a fine median strategy. You know, it's a fine way to correlate a lot of your teams and to advance a lot of your teams. But one you are going to run into scenarios where you're duped a lot with your opponents and not obviously cumulative rosters. That would be insane, but where you're needing a lot of what your opponents are going to be doing where, you know, if you are with constantly within ADP and there's just like, let's say the one, two turn in 2024 just ends up being the nuts for whatever reason, bunch of guys in the first round get hurt, bunch of guys in the second round get hurt. And if you are just sticking pretty close to ADP, you're going to get in these, semifinals pods where one team advances out of these giant 16 man semifinals pods and you're going to be like i've got three unique players in the whole fucking thing you know i i'm a, i'm the only one with uh eli mitchell demario douglas and cole turner and that's it those are my unique yeah. players that i have to you know try and find a way uh to get through because uh you know uh P puka nakua and and kyron williams is what you needed at, at the turn or, or whatever yeah, that makes all that all makes sense to me. I was more talking about like this isn't a study. This is just like an aggregation of data. Not it doesn't really tell you what you should do. But um, like I was just thinking logically, I think it would follow for you specifically to definitely be more uh, further away from ADP because you're you're kind of you're you're a a no ball bro, right? And b a uh, an early drafter. And so if you're an early drafter, you should be taking more chances and knowing more than the field and early drafts. And also, this is your fucking profession. Like, you yes. should have some takes where you're making stands. So, like, you specifically should be probably... It's, it's not even, It's not using that. my skills. It's not using my right. skills to the you're, best. You're way too conservative last year. Way too I, conservative. Way yeah. too conservative. And I'll, and I'll tell you the meta. Here's the meta. Here's Pete's, uh, Pete's videos this year. I can already tell you. Let's it's go. gonna be it's gonna be scroll the f down. That's gonna be the meta of 2024, which is bad. Uh, it's it's bad if you are starting to do it too early, and it's bad if you don't know what you're doing. It's bad if you're, it's bad if you're scrolling down and like I'm gonna find the next Kyron Williams. But like, Kyron, the idea that Kyron Williams was this unpredictable, no one could have seen it coming, is wrong because if you go back and listen to ADP chasing from last year. Me and Karain were talking about Kyron Williams. Like, I, like we had this take that was like, Kyron Will well, I mean, if you really want to get into the weeds, Kyron Williams' rookie year, so the game they play against the Bills, this is now over two years ago. Before the game, Adam Schefter goes on TV and says, I'm starting Kyron Williams in the 16-team War Room League, which is the big ESPN fantasy football league or whatever that they all take really seriously. Kyron Williams then breaks his ankle on his first ever NFL snap. He's on kickoff coverage, uh, and he goes and breaks his ankle. But McVay always hated Cam Akers. McVay cut Daryl Henderson. Like, McVay hated these guys and clearly was always trying to replace them. Yeah. But anyway, what's going to happen is that, you know, all these guys are going to be, oh, this is the next Kyron Williams, and people are going to show up with, like, 40% Keontae Ingram, like guys who were, like, drawing dead. And... Yeah, sure, scroll the F down in a total vacuum of, like, I don't know ball. I just know 
that the field is going to be wrong at X, Y, and Z means you're going to end up chasing guys who are like literally 0% to get there. You just, you just described like the end of the cycle. This is how I, I'm picturing 2024 best ball meta. It's going to start with lulls, chip chasing, scroll the F down this year. We're trying to concentrate. Here's some of the guys we like. Then some short clips and videos. It'll get more popular. And then the badge rows, a badge rows already talk about it, but like more and more people talk about it. It'll get, it'll get, and then there'll be a, then there'll be a scroll the F down porno on Pornhub, right? And then, and then like uh, shit my money and guys like that will be like, people are scrolling the F down. They don't even know what they're doing. They got a draft. They're, they're, they're skipping these great players because people will start overdoing it, right? And this, and then it'll come full circle where everyone hates it by the end. And they'll and a bunch of people will use it wrong, so but that's my prediction for the best ball meta of 2024. I could be wrong, right? Because like what we have, we had uh, last was it week 18 last year or was that two years ago? Week 17. The the original Pete video was last year, but not enough people got like it. It just was the conversation. Also last off season, it was week 17 was both of them. I thought combinatorial ownership was going to be the big one where people started to look and be like, Oh, well, yeah. Every time someone takes DJ Moore, they just take Justin Fields or whatever. Like yeah. where, but, but people were not quite there yet. I wonder if, I wonder if that becomes more of a thing this off season where people are, are focusing on getting different common, like for example, a combination I did a shit ton, which is so funny thinking about it, is Tony Pollard and Devonte Adams, which is like oh F minus F minus um, combinatorial, yeah. but like, that was it was also not that common at the one two turn though because they that you had to scroll back a little bit it was like passing on Garrett Wilson and Amon Ross St. Brown to to get those combinations God, imagine your ADP if you didn't do that it'd be like one you'd be like every pick is on the on the ADP I I, I was I was the I was thinking of the ones where where I was most likely to where I was gaining those spots and a lot of them weren't consciously picking guys ahead it was just full fading guys it was so it was like i like because i had like zero alexander madison and zero Najee harris like i was just getting i was getting you know five six pick deltas in in the mid-range so it was actually saving me it actually could have been way nittier if i liked alexander madison for some reason so so the scroll the f down you mentioned that people are going to overdo it i would say uh, they're just going to do it poorly in my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you should still do it. So like getting the getting the, the meta uh, started, I think that is probably like part of a GTO strategy. Not real GTO, you know, like GTO your laundry. Like the best way to play would be like your ADP there, your standard deviation there should probably be like like 30, like like double what Pete even had. Um, yeah, the only question I have, is it more useful in battle Royale than it is in BBM? Five? Yes. So that's, that's what I, that's what I was hoping we would get to is that, for, and I think it's true for a couple of reasons. The first being your number of slates to realize that equity it's, it's one fucking slate, man. You do, you do, you do 150 drafts for best ball mania three, you do 150 for every battle Royale. So you've got more slates to realize the equity. So let's say you're scroll the F down guy for week two NFL DFS battle Royale is 
let's call it Cole Komet. And let's say Cole Komet tosses up your classic 0 stat line. Doesn't really matter. Maybe you get some min caches, maybe you don't, but you do it the next week and your scroll the F down guy is Marquez Valdez Scantling for whatever reason. I, it probably would never be, but just hypothetically. And Valdez, and Valdez Scantling hits. Um, it's awesome. He's like 1% drafted across all these tournaments. You come in sixth place, you get your money back, and you have a bunch of good teams, and you end up, you know, you're, you're even for the two weeks. So in Best Ball Mania, I mean, that's just not how it works. Like if your scroll the F down guy is Dylan Lobb, this uh this this is a good candidate to be this year's Pete. Who the fuck is Dylan Lobb? Uh candidate's this uh, running back from the University of New Hampshire. And let's say he ends up basically being Sean Tucker, this guy we all love from Syracuse last offseason, goes for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even think he records a carry in yeah. the preseason. I took him. Yeah, sure. And he he totally airballs and you just wasted what, let's call it 37 18th round picks on on Dylan Lobb or whatever. When they could have been, five of those could have been Dylan Lobb, five of them could have been Sean Tucker, five of them could have been Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, five of them could have been Samaj Pirine. Now, obviously, the converse of that is, well, what if I just spent 37 uh, picks on Kyron Williams? Then I've got 37 teams that are super live to win Best Ball Mania 5 or whatever. But my assertion would be people are way worse at projecting who is going to be the round 18 breakout than they are at projecting who's going to be the round six scroll the F down guy and battle Royale that people's even an average guy, a guy who's not even that good at DFS, a guy who's not even that good at projecting or knowing ball is going to hit on a scroll the F down guy in a meaningful way. A lot of the time, much more than they would around 18 guy for a lot of complex reasons. That's, I think that's completely right and an astute observation. Yeah, there's more going to be way more op- way more realistic options in battle royale. Um, the, the the pool of players is just so much like just you, so you much had, bigger. You had this great example last year, which is like Taysom Hill. Any given week is going to project to be like the tight end nine, but he gets drafted like three percent of the time. But he's yeah. got a higher ceiling projection than everyone else at tight end. Yeah, like, I mean, the tight end is usually the exact, like, because Trey McBride's going to get drafted 100% of the time, right? Or whatever. Sure. And then the, and then I'll just make up Dalton Schultz. Let's make up names here. It's sure. like literally like 1.7 points less projected than him, drafted at like 18% of the time. It's yeah. like, duh. Like, think about it from a DFS perspective. Like, you clearly take Dalton Schultz every single time. And that is way less likely in battle Royal, but I just, while you were talking, I downloaded the uh, percent drafted um, CSV and just for went basketball to, mania four for basketball mania four top two sixteen, Right. Okay. That's yeah. That's a full draft. Yeah. So around that two sixteen number, you start getting into the fifties percent drafted around so what number two sixteen. Sure. Okay. So Mac Jones was two, the 216th most drafted player in best ball mania four at 53% of the drafts. So that that's at 216. So guys below him, I'll just, I mean, this is going to prove your point, but also like, I think it's kind of important to like, well, it's going to prove my point, but it doesn't, it doesn't prove my point in a way that makes the scroll, the F down argument 
invaluable because if you are bald, like let's actually, this is a, this is a great example. Let's say Adam Schefter drafted 150 teams and best ball mania five. He's mm-hmm. going to be, he would probably be the best in the world, right? Just because of the inside information. Maybe not. Oh. Maybe, maybe one of these athletic beat writers would be better at identifying round 18 guys where they would, they would look at it and they'd be like, wait, it doesn't make any sense for, Travion Williams to be a round 18 pick when I go to Bengals camp every single day and he's getting the ball as much as Chase Brown is or whatever. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. So continue. Yeah. But, well, I was, I was going to say too, I th- I think like, cause best ball mania four though, you also, or five, whatever you have to look at it. Like th- this is a one in a lifetime shot anyways. Yes. So even if you're Sean Tucker or whatever his first name was, is a, you're you're is gonna 30, you're gonna lose anyway. Like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, your expectation so scroll the F is negative. Down. That's and there that's, you go. That's the same. That is that is the the high point of the discussion. Is that my argument is correct? In in if you had an infinite lifetime, right? If I if I could live like a like if I was like a, a Maiar or whatever, and I could do I could do these uh, in an infinite timeline and i could i could draft 150 teams a million times but that's not what we're doing i mean what we're doing is we're playing one slate and i would never play one slate in dfs taking eight percent of every dude right like that would be that would be you know uh cucking to the highest degree like i would make fun of myself for doing that in a 150 set you know but that is clearly how i've been approaching things in best ball mania i i think i think they're both they're both right both like the battle royale idea and the they're both right, but just from different perspectives. Like it's just, you're taking on more risk than, and it's just a no brainer in battle royale. So like, yeah, I I like this saying though, of you're going to lose anyways. So just scroll the out. That was my, that was my big quote. That was my big. Did did I rip you off? Not, not scroll the F down, but I just, I came on ship chasing one time with the guys and I was like, you know, we, we debate this stuff so much, but we're all going to lose anyway. Like, like (laughs) 99% of us are like, not even gonna, not even gonna get our money back on, on best ball mania. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you should scroll the F down. And if you're a no ball person, just do it. Just go with your no ball stuff. So like, I won't, I still won't be going no ball except maybe uh, bears players just for fun. Are you are you so excited that the Bears are gonna be like legit fun to watch and fun for fantasy for the first time ever? Um, well, Justin Fields, some of those games was actually pretty good fantasy watching. Um, but yeah, sure, sure, yeah, he running he, for one forty three touchdowns. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So it might be less fun with Caleb Williams, honestly. But um, no, come on, it's gonna be it's gonna be way like trust me, Caleb Williams is gonna be way less frustrating than. Justin Fields like you're you're gonna watch him and you're gonna be like I don't feel anger at all like I don't feel angry watching this guy play I, and I, I, I'm not even gonna watch Bears games I'm just gonna watch Red Zones I don't care I'm, I'm joking about being a super Bears fan but like um I know the only thing about him is uh, Twitter has me going like I thought this guy was supposed to be a fucking stud no, but Twitter. Like, Twitter is wrong. Twitter Twitter's is so, wrong. Okay. so Twitter is so like this is this How is could Twitter so be wrong? It's so goddamn funny. And and do you literally know what it is? This is actually dovetails nicely with some of the stuff that we talk about on these shows. Otherwise, it's because this dude cried. It's because this dude cried with his mom and because he like painted his fingernails. Like like we're mm-hmm. we're doing this because but guess what? We gotta fuck it's, it's all they're all Gen Z kids. You yeah. you think you think that kids are gonna get 
you think that these stud quarterback prospects are going to get more masculine and less <laughs> Gen Z moving forward? Like, no, like we're going to have, we're going to have kids who are like way further away from what Midwestern boomers think is normal every year that the number one overall pick is going to be like, they're going to, they're going to test it more and more and more. He's going to have uh one of those uh, Elon, Elon, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, the, the baby names? Brain, the brain. Oh, a Neuralink. A Neuralink. Neuralink, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, uh, what I will say is that Caleb Williams, if you just judge him based on what he was doing on the field, he's like, slam dunk, no question, number one overall pick. You, you literally, you don't even think about it, right? Uh, Jim Sanis from Number Fire just published his quarterbacking model. Last week, uh, Rich Rebar for Sharp Football is, he, I was actually just talking to him. He said he's about to publish his quarterback stuff. Like, we're like, he, I don't, he's, I don't, I don't think he's quite Andrew Luck, but he's better than Trevor Lawrence was. Like, Trevor Lawrence's best college production was as a true freshman, and he didn't, he didn't actually get better or improve. And Williams actually, him. oh, they, they really him hyped him more than, yeah, and he stinks. Caleb. Yeah. The, um, the one concern about Caleb is he's a little small. He's actually, he, he doesn't look, really? which is weird because he doesn't look, he's looks like big. one. Yeah. He's like six, one, two fifteen, which is a little small. That's it's he, not like Russell Wilson, but he's like a little small relatively. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's no Bryce young. That's interesting though. Right. Like Kyler Murray, Bryce young. And now, you know, six, one's not that small, but it's a lot of small number one overall pick QBs. It's risky. Yeah, I mean, I think Kyler, if we want to talk about realizing expectation this lifetime, like I think if you do the Kyler Murray thing over again a hundred times, this is like a bottom 20th percentile of how his career turns out. Like combination of idiot coach, uh, they keep trading away his wide receivers. He keeps getting injured and he's like, like he tears his ACL like in all these unfortunate ways. I, I think it could have worked out different for him. Now, Bryce, I don't know if it ever could have worked out different for him. He might have just been destined to stink, you know, but I don't feel that way about Caleb at all. Do you want do you want to compare these scrolly F down guys from last year or no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, let's do it. Okay. So if if you go like one six so like the 14th round, you're basically still at a hundred percent. Sure. Drafted. That guys makes sense. are drafted. So yeah. Right around there, 14, 15, this is what strategy I'm going to use next year, okay. is where you want is where you're going to want to scroll the F down. Are you it's going to start randomizing or are you going to look at like, you're going to look at Pete and I's exposures and where they're overlapping and be like, hell yeah, dude, 37% Marvin Mims, let's fucking go. Yeah, I'll just move up Marvin Mims and whoever yeah. you guys like probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna have any opinions on these like guys because like like you know who who you really have to pay attention to to do it. But like you can still like get a good strategy just by looking at the numbers, right? So like you know, 183, Deontay Foreman. I mean, fine pick, right? Um 95.5% drafted. So like almost every draft, Deontay Foreman is going. Um there was a there was a there was a period there at the beginning of the year, Deontay Foreman might've got cut. Remember they just had a lot of injuries. Yeah. I, I didn't take any, he was a healthy scratch. I, I, I don't, yeah. I think might've taken zero Deontay Foreman. Maybe I got auto drafted him a couple times. I'm just using, I'm just looking, using an example a guy drafted a hundred percent could have been, could have been uh, released, you know? Um, 
and then if you just slightly scroll down now we're in the, the 200 range you start getting into the 60 percent so you're looking yeah, you at could, like, you could take you could take leonard fournette who's only 66 percent owned <laughs> leonard for exactly leonard fournette chase brown uh desmond ritter um tank dell these yeah. are all in the 60 percent drafted and like a hundred percent to sixty percent. That's forty percent of the field. You know that's pretty. Now, that's pretty solid. Now let me ask. Let me ask the obvious question: In a tournament where these numbers, you know, it doesn't even get halved, right? It gets. It gets. Because you're not. You're not worried about ownership for advance rate, right? We're just trying to advance that individual pocket. The only reason you would worry about ownership would be. For the week seventeen, right, would be for the final. No, no, you you ownership matters even during the season, because like Tank Dell, it's fantastic during the season that no one else has him. No, it's of course it's fantastic, but it's not the what's doing the work for your team is not that no one else has him. It's just that the points are hitting your lineup, right? Or is that wrong from a mathematical sense? Well, no, yeah, because no one can have him in your pod or whatever it's called. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm. Well, I mean, let me think about this. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm, I'm. If, like, if no one has Tank Dell, um, well, I mean, it definitely helps your, your, your season long. Uh, it helps uh, your advance out. rate a lot. Well, not just your advance oh, rate. Oh, yes, yes, it helps your yes. Okay, uh, true. for getting your money back. Um, in the regular season. Um, in the yeah. regular season, but I, I want to say it still will help you if no one else has this. Because I mean, I guess it can't help in your pod, but then there's just like all these less teams that are going to be in the finals, generally speaking, that will never even be in your pod because you scroll the F down. But um, clearly not as beneficial as Battle Royale where you're playing against everybody. And yeah, so like I think, I think the issue with and this will be this will be what uh six months from now Adam Scherer and and all the um the best ball they they would think of themselves as the best ball chads as opposed to you know me and Pete we would be the best ball virgins is they would say the specific instance of needing a super low owned low drafted player like let's say uh Xavier Hutchinson who's like right now like uh the wide receiver six for the Houston Texans, but maybe you're like a big Iowa state fan and you think he's awesome and you draft him 50% of the time and he's 1% owned. So you were like giga, giga, giga levered versus the field on Xavier Hutchinson. And you advance two Xavier Hutchinson teams to the final. You are the only, not only, not only are you, and these are the only two Xavier Hutchinson teams in the best ball mania five final. How much does that even matter? How much does that even impact your EV to the point that does it actually impact? This my my thought would be the best ball chads would be saying you are preparing for an event that is so anomalous, that is so outrageous to try and act like you have any control over that you are actually like if if the continuum of game theory optimal was a circle, you'd actually have gone full circle back to playing shitty, like sub EV exploitatively, like like bad. Right the 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 meme of the bell curve. You're in the middle on this one. You you you're literally yes the Xavier Hutchinson uh fifty percent drafter. You're outsmarting everyone. Yes, I, I think there's there's some logic to that, but. I still think it's just like a, it's a it's a big battle royale kind of 
right? It's like a whole season battle royale. Because if you if you well, hold on, think about it. Like if you have if if nine if a hundred percent of the people have Deontay Foreman and you have Tank Dell, right? And that's kind of your that's your binary. What I, I think we're maybe even thinking about it the wrong way. I think the benefit you're getting is maybe not even so much Tank Dell, but it's actually just not having any of the shitty guy that's hundred percent drafted. Exactly. Yes. That's yes. what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, there's no point. There, uh, uh, because because these these margins are just like we talked about with Dalton Schultz and and, and um, McBride, right? It's like there's there there's there was a point you know eight percent chance that Deontay Foreman was the guy you needed in round you know eighteen or whatever, right? Well, there's 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 a point oh four percent chance that Tank Dell was the guy you needed. Like it's just it's so close that if you just look at the 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 uh, percent drafted, like you're clearly not going to need them. Like um, like look at these guys who are ninety nine percent drafted. Um, Kendra Miller. Uh, That's so Irv funny. Smith Jr., okay, Jonathan now, who the fuck is Jonathan? Mingo? Okay, now, now to make the contrary the argument, same. do you have do you have advance rates pulled up in this data set? Zach Charbonneau, no. So I I would I would be curious. For example, a shitty pick, Leonard Fournette. I would be curious to see what his advance rate was because I think part of this argument in our heads right now is oh yeah well if you just if you're just avoiding some of these shitty zeros it's really helping you but I actually kind of the the big lesson I took away from last year was not scroll the f down was not week 17 it was that literally nothing matters other than than getting like the six guys who are the story of the season correctly right like Tank yeah. Dell, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua now Nakua and Kyron were scroll the F down guys, but the 2024 version might be round nine guys might be, might be round 14 guys, you know, instead of having to, because that'll be what, what I think we will see happen overall in ADP next season will be just an advancement of what we've already seen. Younger players are going to be pushed up higher than ever and old sort of, you know, like for, like, for example, Juju Smith Schuster last off season, was like wide receiver 50 for most of the offseason and just kind of stayed there. People just kept taking him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that whoever your equivalent of that is next year is going to be like the wide receiver 78. Like people are just going to be done taking. Even Adam Thielen, who went on that crazy run for like six weeks, mattered not at all. Like had like had like 16 combined fantasy points in underdog in the playoffs. Like just did not matter. And so I think people are going to exploitatively focus on those guys even more which might which may or may not lend more credence to the scroll to f down i'm not sure about like those that that middling i mean because still all those the round stuff matters right like sure get, getting getting a good player five rounds later than he should is great you know this is i think really is like 14 or 15 and later is where you start getting in the scroll the f f down territory but I think there's there's some more guys than you think. Just looking at the the list here, Zach Moss. I mean, at thirteen percent owned. But that was so. That was a very late. He was not even relevant. He he had broken his arm and was not even. I believe he was not even signed specifically to the Colts until if I maybe that's wrong. 
but but he became a guy that it was like well i mean this is this is just good advice in general is that the backfields that don't have a certain running back to where it's like there's like three guys and you could kind of tell yourself a story about any of them being the running back two, taking a huge stand on one of them pays off a lot of the time. Like there are a lot of examples of this over the last several years where uh, Bengals in 2022 just being like, you know, Pirine's still the guy. It's not it's not any of these young guys or whatever. Moss last year being one. Um, Rico Dowdle for the Cowboys behind Pollard this last year would have been a win. Um, that That's something the field gets wrong, and that's a scroll to F down. Um. Puka, you could say, thirty-one percent. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Um, but but that was because it didn't become clear until week two of the preseason that, that he was even going to beat out Demarcus Robinson. Right, but uh, I mean, th- sure, sure. Like, I don't know how you cut. Listen, I don't know how you figure out who is going to be the guy. But well, it's kind of so. Kind of what you're saying to me is that what you just said is sort of interesting to me as a quote unquote ball knower or someone who thinks that they know ball which is that actually in hindsight these are like kind of obvious spots like the oh, rams sure. the rams didn't even they they told us that by by resting nakua with the starters in week two of the preseason he played in week one didn't play in week two actually should have been obvious that the rams had plans to use him that he was like a starting wide receiver um which is, I mean, it's just kind of interesting to to retroactively think about that. Well, I mean, you could. This is a retroactive. You could look at two twenty four Sean Tucker, two twenty five Zach Moss. Yeah. So if you just flip that ownership, you probably advance. You know, whatever that that team that you thought advanced but didn't probably <laughs> would have advanced if it had Zach Moss. If it had Zach Moss, there you go. <laughs> you know, Josh Josh Reynolds at eight percent. Um, I mean, I mean, they're not barn burners, but like. He, he was a world. win, though. He was a win. How, how about Rico Rico Dowdle? He didn't do shit, right? I can't remember. He might have. No, he had he had a couple he had a couple weeks where he got to double digit points or whatever. the The thing was, uh, cabal members such as myself, we were taking this guy, Malik Davis, who we all thought was the running back too for the Cowboys, because Rico <laughs> Dowdle had been injured um, in twenty twenty two, and Malik Davis, yeah, he had five hundred yards and four touchdowns, so he was a good round 18 pick pretty much. Um, it is looking though, like there might be a cutoff. This is just a one year data set. So who knows? But um, okay. Malik Davis at two fifty one nine percent on. Um, who was this competition? Rico Dowdle. And he was at 3% on, I think. Because yeah, he was another guy who came apparent later. Um, okay. So maybe, Maybe actually this is kind of maybe then what I'm thinking, which is that scrolling the F down becomes more valuable the closer and closer we get to the start of the season when the information becomes more crystallized and finite. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, this this is all moving targets too, right? Like someone's 210 p in March could look very different come yes. September. So... It it all depends. You know, they might not be drafted in the first five percent of drafts, but then they're drafted ninety five percent drafts after that. So, so it it is it it's definitely more art than than science. Um, I think battle royale is more science than art. It's 
because we have so much more information. Um, sure. But man, you know, looking at this, it it, it is tough. I, I I mean, knowing ball and then, or for me, copying people who know ball and then just randomizing it seems like the perfect way to do it. Just like, you know, randomizing it, you're just gonna end up with a lot of fucking zeros. You know, I I so I I actually think thinking about it even as nitty i mean obviously the people can see how nitty i drafted last off season my inclination is that actually the gto thing to do because so many of your picks are going to be bad and be zeros and suck and get hurt anyways that actually the fake gt actually not even fake gto the the right exploitative way to play is to draft a lot of the same guys who are not getting drafted every single time so even if it is sean tucker I think that's I think that's the right thing to do is to draft a lot of the the scroll daft down guys and and concentrate it. I'm I think I'm thinking of it as like a combo of you're just trying to get lucky on the scroll left down guys. Who knows? Maybe it was Sean Tucker, maybe it's Zach Moss. You're just trying to get lucky, but like what you said earlier, what you're really hoping for is Deontay Foreman gets released after week two. Yeah. Instead of everyone getting hurt and then he actually has a good a fairly good season for where he was drafted. Cause like you look at some of these 70% owned guys, um, uh, um, Devante Parker, Ty Chandler, Zamir white. He, I guess he had a couple games chase Ty Chandler and Zamir white ended up being wins. They ended up, they ended up being awesome picks because Did they, they were... do enough. Yeah. Yeah. Chan- because Chandler started week 14, 15, 16 and did well. And did he did it too. That. Yeah. They um, both, they both, they both kind of Dante Foreman their way. They both kind of backdoored their way into good but, games at the right time. But like you, these guys are getting, he got drafted 74% of the teams. White or Chandler? Chandler. Well, Chandler got hurt in the preseason. So that's kind of, it's that it kept him from, kept him from, he would have been 100% owned. Wow. Okay. Chase Clay. Wait, no, they were definitely going to start. Um, What's his name over Chandler? Madison? Yeah, right? Yeah, but but no one believed in Madison. Everyone thought no. everyone other than uh Evan Silva thought Madison sucked. Uh Chase Claypool, your boy. Um Gasaki, Leonard Fournette. Hunter Henry had a good year. Uh uh your other boy, Clyde Edwards. Um <laughs> I was I, I wonder what percentage of Clyde Edwards Hilaire teams were drafted by me. <laughs> But a lot well, of them probably. What do you think he was drafted? How many teams draft? How many probably, percentage? Probably forty percent of teams. Sixty-four. Yeah. So like this range is kind of like that wide receiver dead zone range, you know, like of the f the fuck uh, f um, scrolly f down range. Yeah. Uh, dead range is right here. You know, Miko Hardman, eighty uh, percent. Darius Slayton, he did nothing, right? Eighty percent. No, no, he he also same. He also backdoored good games at the end i mean but i mean sure okay. week week seven no week 17 four for 106 and one winning winning pick that's true he's not fucking tank dell he's not well but that that tank dell was not a winning pick because tank dell got you zero points in the week that uh, matters that, i mean that's that's true he got hurt though but the uh the, we're talking but the point is we're talking these guys are getting drafted like 80 percent of the time late as fuck like what? 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 What was that? Who were we just talking about? Slayton, one ninety one, the hundred ninety first most drafted player. 
How many? How many for Wandale though? Eighty well, percent of the teams. So you know, it just seems so dumb, doesn't it? Like you're in the last round. You're at two sixteen. You're a net. You're seeing one ninety one for Slayton. I'm getting you know twenty picks of value here. Yeah. Right. You're clicking that button every time, but it's probably a big mistake because everyone's doing that. So everyone's yeah. taking Slayton. Now you got a guy eighty percent on the time. Sure, he you luck you luck ball into week seventeen on it. But like you'd be much better off just scrolling down and take it, especially if you know ball and taking some guy who's going to get picked 16% of the time or 60% of the time or 40% of the time. What, uh, how many, how many, what percent of the time was Wandale Robinson drafted? Cause I didn't take, I didn't take Slayton at all. I took Wandale every time. Wandale was, was my I guy. I took him a ton. Cause this, I was ripping you guys off. I think all yeah. of you like them. He had he had 19 underdog points in week 17, so he was a better pick than Tank Dell, really, if you think about it. Oh God, yeah. If you if you make it to the uh, yeah, there's a lot of Robinsons in the NFL. Two, so he was actually not the end of the world. Two seventeen, most drafted player right after Mac Jones at 53 percent. 53 percent for a guy like that, really. That's good. probably yeah. That's probably doable. You could you could probably figure this. Because how much more how much more expected value are you gaining from a guy being five percent owned to a guy being fifty percent owned when you account for the fact that the five percent owned guys are going to be guys whose median season long projection is zero points or like four points or something? Isn't that also like a nice leverage play, right? Because him and Slayton are on the same team. All all the Giants guys were leverage plays on each other because there was like seven of them with 80. Well, no, it's not. It's no, that's not how leverage works because Slayton was taken 80% of the time. So you can't get leverage on, on, on somebody else by taking the guy who's drafted all the time. You take the guy. Well, you could get leverage on a hundred percent drafted Darren Waller. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And Darren Waller, but I'm talking about the scroll the F down the lower, the, 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 no, that, that is how leverage works because, because the leverage is going to apply in week, 17 where let's say let's say how ownership leverage works yes it is because the ownership is going to change the ownership the ownership that matters to you is going to change in week 17 you know the leverage works that it's they're on the same team so they're correlated so it's less likely so if one guy does poor it's likely that for whatever reasons of injury and opportunity the other guy is going to do better okay but what if that guy's drafted 80 percent of the time where the other guy's drafted 50 percent of the time you then have leverage on that so, like, if you think it's close to a coin flip, you're winning. Okay, but then you get to week 17, and the 80% guy turns into the 40% owned guy, but the 100% owned guy turns into the 10% owned guy. You'd rather have the 100 to 10 than the 80 to 40. Right, but, you, I mean, you don't know that when you're scrolling the F down six, six months in advance. That Well, th- I'm I'm doing the chat argument. I'm I'm doing – I'm playing devil's advocate with you, showing why decreasing your median – projection over the 15 weeks by so much might be bad but you're just you're less likely you're more likely to face slayton even on teams that where slayton stinks because he's drafted so much more frequently yeah sure yeah so like true. Yeah, i mean the other way around is like there's there's no meaning to any of this which is probably true it's really just a giant luck luck box. i mean ultimately but... ultimately yes there uh, ultimately yes no, nothing Nothing really matters other than drafting Tank Dell, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, and ZJ Stroud. Like ultimately, right? And that's why I argue for a little more random in your in your plays because it's just too hard. And you know, if you get three percent 
5% Puka Nakua in your whatever, you know, in your field, as opposed to zero, that's pretty good because you're, you know, randomizing these, these sharper no ball plays uh by scrolling now you know the other thing we have not mentioned here is the influence of someone putting their thumb on the scales for all of this which is that roughly what 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 percentage of the people drafting do you think have the established the run ranks actually as what they're drafting off of like not they don't not not referencing not that they listen to establish the show not that they read whatever not that they subscribe to to fantasy points or legendary upside or whatever but are actually straight up drafting off of establish the run ranks is it free no it's not free are you sure yeah i thought it might be free. uh i Maybe, it might be free I'm, for I'm a while sure. and then they put it behind the paywall um if it was free i'd say a ton i i, I know a lot of people who do so 50 percent I 50 50 percent would have just been my number, but it's it's pro, it's definitely lower than that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely much lower than that. Yeah. It's it's extremely lower than that. But if you if you start adding caveats to that, like what percentage of people who draft seventy five or more teams, what percentage of people you would say are quote unquote sharp drafters, what percentage of teams that finish in the top ten thousand, then I think the number starts to get really high. Then I think you start to be like whatever. So. It's it's kind of like a DFS slate where you have access to the projections that your opponents are using, kind of. Mm. So well, I mean, what's I mean, don't you think ADP is more predictive of of that analogy? Don't you think ADP is kind of like owning what your opponent's going to do more than the ETR rankings? Yeah, but ADP will just have examples that are so bad, and that and that also uh, are, you know, a- ADP is going to have inertia in it that that. ETR ranks won't. So, for example, uh, I don't know, an obviously bad pick last year. And Madison. Madison is a good one. Madison is a good one where, like, he just Tony was Pollard. like the <laughs> Tony Pollard. Great. Well, except the news all offseason for Pollard just kept, he kept getting higher. Instead of getting lower, Tony Pollard kept getting, um, I think it became, it, if we didn't know Pollard was obviously bad until like week five, Madison we knew was bad from the jump. It was like they, they they signed Cam Akers off free agency. Like it, it was it was bad immediately, and the ADP went slowly. But you can adjust that stuff and rank. Like Dalvin Cook gets cut or whatever, and then Madison jumps way up in the rankings and then jumps down in the rankings. Because another thing is, I haven't said this yet either, and this is the most smug douchebag best ball bro thing to say. We're not drafting exposures. We're drafting teams. So even if you only have six percent or whatever of obviously bad pick x that means that 15 of your teams or whatever the math uh no 12 of your teams or no seven point eight point five of your teams are gonna have obviously bad pick x on it you know which you can't you can't undo that right you could get your exposure lower but you can't you don't have a redo on the team yeah yeah um you just you, you just had a couple more uh, ideas you're giving me like the the leverage idea like last year would have actually worked pretty good it stinks on the broncos just because they were so bad yeah but the broncos had tim patrick right he got hurt right he got hurt he tore his acl like 40, in may or something 42 percent owned though 
Okay, well, we're then, looking towards ACL later than that. Who else did we have? Mims, right? Was that Mims, last year? Too? Yeah, no. Mims, Sutton, Judy, Patrick, uh, Dulcich, Troutman. Cool. So Mims 100% basically. Sutton obviously is going to be 100%. Who else after Mims, Sutton, and? Judy. Oh, Judy. He, he's got to be pretty damn close to 100 he'll, too, right? He'll be 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Patrick at forty percent. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Well, he would have been. He would have been like ninety percent, though. You think so? He was pretty late. He was pretty late. He was in the two hundreds most of this. But because he was coming off of an injury, but once if he had gotten back on the field and been yeah. good to go. Well, we're we're also the point is theory, not like what actually happened. Like like a guy who's like projected to get owned at like forty percent or something is a good scroll the F down option when his teammates are so highly owned. But what if, but what if I told you that, that the field was actually overconfident that Tim Patrick was the fourth wide receiver and that actually Brandon Johnson at 1% owned was actually going to be the fourth wide receiver. Sure. Fine. But like, <laughs> again, the point isn't what <laughs> How actually far happened. am I scrolling down, Brian? The point isn't what actually happened. The point is we, you know, we have limited information at this point in the year. But you know Tim Patrick's getting drafted at two nineteen ADP, yeah. right? Let's just say, not you know not this next year, but last year, his then his percent owned at that would be even probably lower, would be a nice, you know, eighteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth round selection, um, just that kind of that kind of strategy, where even if you don't like no ball, where you're you're picking Kyron Williams, you know, sixty percent of the time, or whatever over the field where you, I mean, if as long as you know the rosters and you just, you just scroll down and take the next guy who's got a shot at playing, um, you know, obviously all within reason, just like week 17 and week, uh, week, whatever week 16, all this stuff within reason, you don't want to get too crazy. Um, but what, what's another team? Isn't, isn't that, team. isn't, isn't this the problem with what we're doing, which is that, there are answers that exist for all of this post fact, right? That that we can get the answers to all of this. That but but that none of it. We are we are doing astrology right now. You know we are we are we are guessing off of past data. We are we are extrapolating off of past data what might be game theory optimal in a new data set, and we're not even sure how similar the data sets are. I I think we're we're trying to predict the weather with past data sets so we're still doing it scientifically with so like we're trying logic. to we're trying to be we're trying to be directionally accurate well i mean this is what prediction is 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 you use past data sets well no no very very different than dfs where where the data science is pretty good the sims are well, pretty good well some of this stuff is just like like leverage is just it's just a matter of 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 fact because it's a matter of opportunity where if one but guy I don't, goes down I don't from think the same we, team then this other guy very likely has a chance to get more opportunities no i don't think we can say that we know the leverage stuff for a fact because are we referring to regular season leverage week 15 week 16 week 17 leverage like those no, are different things but you also don't know for sure it's going to rain for six straight hours right but like you, you it, it probably will rain somewhere around that amount you know maybe it might not even rain at all 
but based on this other data, here's what we're going to project. Yeah, you can say that. You could say it's 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 very likely, or it's somewhat likely, or it's it's you know even less. It's only a five percent chance. But like you can make those determinations just based on the the roster of the team at the time, and then say if this guy goes down, then there's a chance this guy's going to get reps. Um, you know, handcuff RBs, obviously, right? It's the same thing. Um. And also, we have pretty good data on what percentage own they're going to be at this point. I think we yes. haven't. Yeah. Where you could look at the ADP and then guess what percentage that is. And so you could go, you know, like whatever, you know. And obviously, these names don't matter anymore. But you can go, you know, Taji Spears, he's going to be 100% owned. Um, but somebody who's at 239 is probably going to be like 20% owned. Or less. And so who's Tazi Spears backup next year? Julius Chestnut, maybe. <laughs> he's made that name up. No, that's a real person. <laughs> he's on the Tennessee Titans. True story. Is, is he does he uh part-time uh, eat hot dogs? Is he a hot dog <laughs> eating part-time? I hope so. Um, yeah, so like whatever. Like I don't think I, for me it doesn't sound like that guy's ever gonna see it down, but what do I know? Um you know, you get him, you get him. That's leverage at a lower ownership because his ADP is low. Like these are all scientific uh, thought processes, right? It doesn't mean just because you can't one hundred percent predict the future doesn't mean you can't like do it in a scientific or like a more scientific fashion. But isn't isn't it worse to let if it turns out that our science is bunk? Isn't it worse to be guided by bunk science than no science at all? I, I don't know. What if our but, assumptions are wrong? Uh, <laughs> I'm mean, not saying I, I'm not saying I don't think it, I don't think it would be worse. No, I don't think it would be worse or better uh, because you just would be wrong either way. But like, um, I don't think you're I don't think you're going to be that wrong going on past data that we now have enough of and saying a guy whose ADP is what did I just say two thirty seven is going to be owned about twenty percent of the time. You know, or whatever it ends up being. This is just one data set. I, I mean, you're going to be close. It's going to be close to that. It's not going to be 100. percent So we, so we ultimately it's not going to be zero because we know he's been drafted. So we ultimately land on after round 14, you just need to start scrolling the f down and basically not caring about ADP. Yeah, after round 14, scroll the f down, and then I would use some. I mean, this is what I just told you exactly what I'm probably going to do next year. I'm going to try the leverage plays. Steal your guys' picks and randomize it starting week fourteen, starting in round fourteen. You know what's funny is if you asked me if I did that already, I probably would have said yes, and then you would have you would have showed me the your thing and been like and been like you're the nittiest motherfucker who has ever graced the underdog app. Like you are so <laughs> nitty. Actually, let's let's look because we got the all the hundred and fifty years. I mean, we I have to be close to after round fourteen, like the nittiest. So, total one fifty drafters. First, you want to guess how many one fifty? Do you already know this? No, I have one, no idea. How many one fifty? Uh, I'll t- it's less than a thousand. Oh, I was gonna say one hundred and three, but that sounds like there's more than that. Eight fifty one. That's a lot. That would that is yeah. That is that is legitimately surprising that, to me. You're gonna need that in that huge. Okay, and then wow, no, you're not the nittiest. Of the 150 bros. You need to you need to tweet this out. You need to tweet out that I'm not the nittiest 150 maxer. 
I guess we should try to figure out exactly what you are. I should probably cut. It's easier to copy this. And then just I gotta be, I definitely am top ten percent though. No, oh, no yeah, chance. Probably top ten yeah. percent. Yeah. But... Yeah. Okay. Not uh not a medal that I am uh hope that I am aspiring to. You know, not 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 one that I want. Now I'm I am drafting in the big board right now for the first time ever. I've never drafted in these pre-draft NFL best ball ones before, and I am consciously unknitting it up. I, I am I am playing a more loose and aggressive style. I am I am just getting my guys in this stuff because it doesn't matter. Like, what's the point of being cost conscientious in fucking February? You know, there's no point. Right. Yeah. It's th- th- this is what we started this on, especially you. Like, if you're going to spend all this damn time doing this, like, use it. Yeah. Um, even if you're wrong. Like, so I'm just I, taking uh, Drake May and Chase Brown every time right now. You don't even know who these out, guys are. Should we call out some of the nitty DFS guys who 150? Okay. You are. Let's see. What was it? Seven something? Uh, 7.5, I think, or something like that. Is is my delta? Here, I can. I got it pulled up, I think. Actually, not even that bad. Not even that yeah. bad. Uh, you, you were 3.18. No, eight, standard deviation after 167, 8.9. Standard deviation in general, that, 7. I'm talking about your, your, your full draft standard deviation. You're 300. An 18 out of whatever I said, eight, 850, whatever. Yeah. Not, so not so easy. Not even, not even that nitty. And then what would, what was, who was the, the highest Pete or. They were pretty uh, close. doesn't really matter. I don't think. Corrine was 11.1 standard deviation. Okay. So Pete was, they're right next to each other. So seven, seven feet. They, they have like a very similar draft strategy. You could tell obviously. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. 759 out of 852 for Pete, 761 out of Which is, is kind of funny because, you know, Pete did all his drafts on stream too. So kind of funny. Uh, and, and I, you know what? I actually am going to reverse. I'm going to call Peter out specifically. The reason why his shit looks so like he took so many shots and he was so different is because he was in all these piss boy rooms where he had to get different, where the ADP in his rooms was just different in general. So I, I call bullshit actually on on Peter being considered as less of a nit than me. That honestly, sounds like cope to me. But um, yeah, how about how about uh, Chris Spags at eight oh four? Didn't he take Anthony Richardson like thirty spots ahead of ADP every time? Maybe that's so. It. Yeah, I was going to add another another category here where. Because there's a difference between standard deviation can be positive or negative, right? So you take someone early, it doesn't matter if you take them early or late. So like one that's early and one that's late. So if you're taking late, you know, if you're taking early, you're a a value hound. If you're taking late, you're a no ball bro. So like that seems like important info to know. Air more on the side. I definitely aired more on the side of being a value hound bro than a no ball. I was much more likely, I bet if you looked at my shit, to take a guy 10 spots after ADP than 10 spots before. Let I almost me, guarantee. I probably should be sharing this for people who are going to be watching on my channel, but I guess it's too late. Um, too late now. So the the late round uh, standard deviation, though, Davis, we are, we are, we are 49. Still not the nittiest, though. Still, <laughs> as long as long as I as long as I am literally not the nittiest guy. I mean, you know what? I, do you have um? Do you have uh, uh J Max stuff pulled up? Because I'd be curious. Because he auto drafted, so I would be curious 
how far or close he was in these spots. What's his screen name? I have no fucking idea. J J McMahon, I think. Maybe, maybe J. Well, it might see be J Mac's in there. There's no J Mac. Justin, maybe. Does he? Use yeah, his name? try try Justin. I was wondering. I actually was. Oh, wondering, I got Mike... Justin. Justin Herzig is nittier than you. Well, uh, Herzig Herzig is Herzig is the ultimate value hound. He he's, he he's, he's nittier than you based. on the draft, but even late round, he's not as nitty as you late round. <laughs> I mean that is that is pretty classic. That so, you know what you know what I bet that's from though. The reason why is he drafts off of ranks. He has he has rankings put in, so there are going to be spots in round sixteen or whatever where I just you know I'm on the fucking stairmaster doing three drafts at a time, and I'm like sure whatever click and and Herzig is like oh I, I'm drafting off the rankings, so I'm taking. Uh, Josh Reynolds here or whatever, you know, 20 spots ahead ADP. Um, I got just J max numbers here. Um, not, not, not gonna be good for you. I don't think his, his, his ADP is almost identical to yours, but that's, but that's weird though, because he auto drafted off of ranks. So theoretically he should be his stuff should look weird. His stuff should not look like anyone else. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Uh, maybe he screwed it up. Well, he probably baked ADP into his rankings. Or maybe I'm you're sure. drafting off of ranks too. You could tell he auto drafted though, because he had exactly two QBs. Yes. Average. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 would have exact of those. I mean, I basically did draft off ranks, except my ranks were ADP. I didn't auto draft, um, but his though. late his late round pick was 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 more. Uh, yeah, he's gonna have a huge team. delta because he he just he like nice. wouldn't. It wasn't have... huge, but bigger than yours. But that's I would same. think I would think if you auto draft off ranks, your deltas later in the draft are gonna be huge because you just will not have some guys in your ranks. Like you you just might not have like Chase Claypool just wouldn't be in your pool, and Leonard Fournette just wouldn't be in your pool, and maybe you add. Uh, you know, if you make Rico Dowdle your 215th player, you're going to be getting Rico Dowdle way more often than the field or or whatever. Here's here's a funny one. You know, remember how shit shit my money was just shitting on everyone talking about playoffs and it doesn't matter. Oh sure. Right. He he was more. <laughs> he had a higher standard deviation than you in both uh, full draft and late draft by quite a bit. That's that would be what you would expect. No, because he's saying like you take you take your guys take or take your value, don't go don't go week seventeen correlation just to force it. Take good players. That was his argument. So you think you'd be closer to ADP? So he'd be closer to ADP, yeah. But you said his number was higher than mine. I know that makes damn saying this makes you look like a huge net. Well, I am a huge. I mean, I think that's what we learn <laughs> in this exercise is that who I. Who do am you a huge think net? is good? Who do you think's who do you, who do you think's really good? No, I don't think anyone's really good at this stuff, honestly. <laughs> I, I think okay. I think most people I think most people are most people are largely guessing. And I think that a lot of people who would might be good at the game theory side don't know shit about football. And a lot of the people who do know football are not good at the game theory stuff. So I don't really consider anyone like if I don't know, let's say we lived in a futuristic world where where we could sim through an NFL season in a day and we could do these slates 365 days a year or whatever. I don't know if there's anyone that exists right now that if we uh, 
transported ourselves into that world who'd be good enough to like play it professionally or whatever. Fair enough. Sacrilegious nine. He's in. He's, he's really in good. Discord, right. Yeah, he's very good. He's he's at really high seventeen, almost seventeen standard deviation for the full draft, almost thirty two for the late round. So you could tell he's in the badge row discord. Um, the badge bros are probably the badge bros are probably so tilted. They're like other people are learning to scroll the f down. Like this is yeah. awful. This is not what we want. Right. Like I honestly, I wouldn't even send anything at the beginning of this trip. But I'm telling you, that's going to be the meta this year. So who, I might as well just call it now. So so Pete's so right. Pete's Pete's best ball video that that gets the most clicks this year. What's it going to be called? Let's 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 scroll predictive. The no, it's gonna be. It's gonna. He. You. I don't think you can have a swear word in the YouTube title for the algorithm, Ugh. or or even a swear substitute. I think you need. You need the better. You need a better hook than that. You're gonna lose anyways. So scroll the f down. You're gonna. Know. You're. You're gonna. You're gonna lose. So Pete'll. Pete'll come up with a rhyme. Pete'll. Pete will. He's. I mean, obviously, he's better at this than us. He'll have something better. Right. Yeah. So your your boy uh, Liam. Pretty similar to sacrilegious, a little, a little. I was uh, gonna say Liam. Liam will have a huge standard deviation after pick one sixty seven. I bet. Yeah, thirty two. I was wrong. Sacrilegious. I was looking the wrong. Sacrilegious is almost 30, 34 and a half. Yeah, and eighteen. Um, I mean, sacrilegious is out here doing fucking studies on optimal roster distribution and the big board. So, like, I'm gonna guess that. I'm gonna guess he's got some pretty good ideas of what's winning he and was, what's not. He was ninth, ninth highest. And Ch- and Liam was eleventh highest. The highest was somebody J JGFC. No idea. Plenty of these guys: Billy Pilgrim, Billy Pilgrim, Farachi, HG Wigglesworth. Great name. Um, short gamer TV. He plays DFS. He's up here. Oh wait, no. Does he play DFS? Yeah, I think he plays DFS. I don't. I, I don't no recognize idea. a lot of these names, but. Spags is up there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm making it I'm making my I'm making it my goal to play differently in, in 2024. Well, let's how about this? Let's just let's just say the guys who are one fiftering, all of them, right? There should probably be some alpha there. Okay. So let's just let's just assume that the average yeah. is eight point five. So like you should probably be at least one more uh one more standard deviation than eight point five. Yeah, but I'm guessing that's low. Um, and then late round, you were at what, like eight something? Yeah, um, that's terrible. Like eight point five. It's yeah, it's almost thirteen. So that you want to be way, like we were talking about this whole pretty much. This yeah, whole I want I want to be I want to be like I want to be like twenty on that or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, if you get like the twelve twenty twelve twenty two, that looks right to me. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I just think I'm just going to, I'm just going to go all in on the Washington commanders. So I'm just going to need to be 10 spots ahead of ADP on every Drake may team. Like if you get in a draft with me, you're not getting Drake may. I think that's maybe just my operating principle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I'm more portfolio portfolio guy where, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You don't really know as much as you think you do. So spread it out. And also but leverage. That, that, your... That's that's the opposite of the scroll the F down, though. Well, not really. 
because I think you could, like I said, you could scroll the F down and then randomize. So like if you got, you know, whatever, Mims, Patrick, you know, Tucker, whoever the guys were last year. Sure. You, you randomize, you get, you have a DAC team and you get to the 16th round and then you just press a button and it says, and it p- picks one of the three backup Cowboys pass catchers and you just have to take sure. one of them. Or you just, yeah. you rank them, you rank them. And then you, and they're like, Oh, I'm getting a lot of Mims. I'll move him down and Tucker up, you know? And then, and then it's going to give you more Tucker. Like there's a million yeah. ways to, as long as you're not drafting, you know, 50 teams at a time, which I was getting up there at some points I was doing like, 10 to 20 uh mostly on DraftKings. that didn't work when out. uh it when they i i did um i was doing like like uh like 13 pomeranians at a time or or whatever like when they would do those little time capsule ones i would just go sit down and be like we're just knocking all these out we're just doing them all right now you know you guys are actually at a pretty big disadvantage here because what you want to do what i would do is like i would get my list if i was you guys and like Okay, here's my scroll the F down list. And like, yeah. how am I going to work this in there? But you guys do shows every day. Everyone's going to know your list. And oh, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. You that don't think, matter. you don't think you guys drove up like MIMS numbers or anything like that? Maybe like, do you know how many fucking drafts there? Like, I mean, do the math on how many 12 man drafts sh- there would have to be. There are so many. Like, you, you would have to be so, like, you'd have to do it so marginal. Like, you know, 10,000 people listen to a podcast you do. How many of those people are drafting concurrently? You know, like, no, come on. Okay. Maybe, maybe the ETR guys, maybe if you were, if you were doing this with Drew and Mike and Silva and Levitan and you'd be like, oh, you know, I really want to make money on Alexander Madison this season, you know, then you could like, those guys probably could fuck themselves out of spots. Well then how, well then how did week 17 get so big? Because everyone picked it up, every every outlet. Who they pick it up from? I mean, it was out there. Like it was like so. The before Pete did it, people like people knew that before Pete's video, people knew. But then, I mean, Hayden and Hayden has all the data, and Hayden said Hayden did his piece last year and was like, like ten percent of people are correlating week seven, like ten percent of teams. <laughs> Are correlating week seventeen. It's it's definitely got to be our little corner of the internet. It's our it's it's our head. virgin corner. Yeah, but of course people knew. I knew, and I told I told Pete, and I learned from somebody else. But no one else knew, and then but then we started talking about it, and everyone started doing it. But I think it also because it, it but became, did but did everyone start doing it though? Like I don't. Well, I, I guess I guess not. If no. Only ten. If only ten percent of the people are doing it, I guess not. Um. I mean, there is there is a percentage of drafts where you just can't get it in too. Just like the chips don't fall the way you want it. But um, yeah, but yeah, if only ten percent of people did it, then 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 I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm just completely biased. What about what about taking backup quarterbacks? Are we are we there yet? Where you start taking you start take so many quarterbacks get injured, you're getting like one percent ownership maximum. You're getting a hundred percent or I guess ninety nine percent leverage, giga levered. Like you take. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Do, whoever takes Sam Darnold on a 49ers team in round 18. I need I need to think about it, but when I was just like kind of scrolling through this data while we've been doing this podcast, I was just thinking like to my to myself like quarterbacks just don't matter. <laughs> like No, they really don't. They they use... they mostly matter for stuff like what happened with Stroud last year where teams where you took Stroud, you were dramatically more likely to take Nico and Tank. So he mattered that yeah. direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but like, 
getting 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 uh siege you know tricky on QBs is yeah. probably not the way. And look, let's look. So the average of the 150 years was 2.35 QBs, which was like exactly what you guys were, I think. Um, so just take 2.35 QBs and just forget about it. <laughs> I think I I would guess, but maybe maybe we should think about it more. I don't know, but um. I don't know if you're getting, you know, you can like, cause you can like get Kyler Murray in the late rounds. Cause he's injured in the beginning of the season. Like there's just so many different ways you could just get obvious guys who are going to play and could put up big numbers late. Like, does it really? Sam Owl. Yeah. And it's like, it's way different. I mean, we all know this is, this is DFS one-on-one, you know, it's way different if Chris McCaffrey gets hurt and there's just like, or if um the dolphins are a better example, right? Yeah. If, if, if Mozart's going to get all the carries, then if, um, Pat Mahomes goes down, you know? Yes. So yeah, I, I think, I think that one, you just, my take, guess is my two, guess is five QBs. the, the amount of the amount of lifetimes you would need to realize the equity of taking Sam Darnold, uh, instead of Brock Purdy on a 49ers team would be over a thousand. You'd need like a thousand lifetimes to realize whatever minimal equity that gave you. Yeah. Now in the postseason drafts, I, I, I did take, I did take Sam Darnold in like one, like, uh, you know, like the I lap. took, I took Sam Darnold in the mitten returns because you were running out of, season? no, no, that's so that's after round one. So it's round two and the, the play, the player pool just dropped off. So precipitously, right. um, do you want to hear, we can, we can end with a bad beat here. Do you want to hear why I did not win in the playoffs? Do you want to hear what my, my one V one was on my final roster? That, that kept me from a shipper. It's the most hilarious position coming for me. It was my team to the finals was a full roster. Mahomes, McCaffrey, Pacheco, Juwan Jennings, Rashi Rice, but Justin Watson instead of McCole Hardman. If I, the original McCole Hardman acolyte, had taken more Hardman teams, I would have had the shipper. Oh, no. For how much? I think it was like 10k it was the 10 dollar one so whatever 10 10k or 5k so not oh, that big wow. of a deal just i think you group. tweeted something like that out didn't you like i don't know you tweeted no, something. come on i'm not tw- i'm not tweeting about fucking missing out on five thousand dollars i might be i might be poor but i'm not poor enough tweeted to something about miko that. hardman well yeah i said i always believed i mean come on i've always <laughs> mccall hardman scores the game-winning touchdown for my favorite team while i'm wearing the jersey great 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 day to be laundry bro oh my god um, I missed that touchdown too. I didn't watch a lot of the game. What Shocking. What were you doing? What better did you have to do? You were running. You were checking your Best Ball Mania five data sets. <laughs> Watching a YouTube video, and on monarchism. No. Yeah. When uh when is uh when is um Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's endorsement for Joe Biden coming? I I, I heard from reputable sources that uh, that that was coming soon. Um, I mean. Maybe they have to wait to decide if they're gonna run Biden, if they're not gonna pull the plug and run. I think I think they're gonna run. I think Kamala is the next option. By the way, I know the betting markets like Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom, but I don't think they get past Kamala. I think no, I think come on, no one, no one even cares. No one's even tuned in that much. They're just gonna run Biden. I think it's way more likely they're gonna run Biden. I agree. Yeah, but. I mean, the, I was thinking about like his his age is getting so high. You know, like you know, like if you're like you're like grandma or grandpa's like ninety or something, and yeah, and someone in the family's like, I'm I'm afraid he did the, you know he did this, so I'm afraid he has dementia. Like he doesn't have dementia; he's ninety. 
Right. Yeah. You know, Biden's getting so old that you can almost say that about it. Like, I, I think isn't, he's a, isn't Trump pretty old. Like, if so, it wasn't it that if Biden. It's it, it's true that if Biden had not been the president, that Trump this if he wins this election, he will have been this oldest president ever other than Biden. I think I think that's right. Yeah. 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 Either way, we're going to have the oldest president unless they get they're they, they are not sending their best and brightest. No, the, <laughs> the entire uh, like, I don't know, uh, elite class or administrative class in the government is that's is, why we need you know. 68 year old uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, that's it's, oh, he's I think the he's only 70. Guy. My God, man, he's the um, only guy who can save us. I think he's 70, but I mean, yeah, I see this, that Trump is, Trump is, uh, Trump is losing it too, but like, clearly he's not as bad. I mean, I don't care about Trump or Biden, but like, clearly he's not as, as senile as Biden. I'm just thinking like, he, cause Biden, I think he'll be 86 if he wins again and finishes out the term. That's so fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> at that point at 86, you could literally, you could go, he's not senile. He's 86. Yeah. Like, what do you expect? I Like, honestly, good on him for even being able to, like, be wheeled out and do this shit at all. I guarantee you I'm not – I would not be able to do that at 86. No chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, so a lot of people say it's, like, elder abuse to be doing this to this guy. Like, um... you know, uh, you know that um, it's, it's, like, it's, like, confirmed that Ronald Reagan had no fucking clue what was happening at the end of his, that, like, his while. aides and his secretaries were, like, this dude – does not know left, right, or center. He's got he's got no clue. Uh, and and FDR too, right? From the polio, yeah. he's just at his people didn't know his, he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. His last term, it was all done by his underlings. Yeah, he like I think he knew he was going to die like a year, year and a half in advance. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is like kind of which the is theory. to say that there's plenty of historical precedents for for underlings and for the party to run the, the well, executive branch underhanded uh secret lying is not really precedence like, that's that's precedence, democracy precedence Underhand, like... underhanded secret lying is that's what i call democracy brian and if you don't like it you can get out <laughs> i mean yeah democracy that's what that's oh what... there is there is one thing there is one political thing i wanted to touch on before we get out of here mm -hmm. what is it with conservative-minded people in the United States drooling over what life must be like in China or Russia. These these conservative Instagram and Twitter accounts being like, oh my God, look at this grocery store in Russia. Isn't this perfect? Look at this train station in, you know, the the whatever province in China. Like, why can't why can't it be like this in America? What what's that about? What what I don't get it. Well, China and Russia are the like the the neocon and and left establishment bugaboos right now right like this is they're the bad they're the bad guys china and russia i mean russia I, is the bad guy china I, I don't have a real opinion on right i mean the russian government is bad i'm not saying that i'm not, I'm not trying to make any judgments i'm just saying you know the the establishment which i think the neocons are part of yeah. their their nemesis is china in Russia, I think that's quite clear in their rhetoric, and Iran. Basically, those those three, and I think a lot of 
everyday people like um, everyday liberals and everyday conservatives just do whatever the fuck their tribe does. And yeah. they don't really think about it much. And so like my prediction is if there's if Trump gets elected or whoever on the right eventually gets elected and they want to go to a war, uh, a war with Iran or whoever, it'll flip once again and all these like not Trump, Trump, Trump doesn't Trump wants to do whatever Russia wants to do. He doesn't want to go to war. The, the point isn't about Trump. My point is I'm, I'm just like most people will just go with the wind of their tribe. Yeah. So like right now they're like anti-war, you know, for some, and remember in the two thousands, the right was huge, a huge war party. I hope I'm wrong. Honestly, I hope both sides eventually become anti-war. I'm just not optimistic. I think a lot of them will, as soon as their guys are in power, they'll start defending it. So the point you're just, you're asking me about the, the subways and the grocery stores. It's because their guys aren't in power. So you're just, you're just opposed to whatever the other side is. There's like not a ton of um, logic to it other than that, in my opinion. Now, some people might have a little more logic to it where they're like, why is like my shit double and triple prices in the last three years? You know, what's going on? Because the government government keeps printing all the goddamn money. It's pretty obvious. That's exactly did you Did you watch the Tucker Carlson interview with Putin? Yeah. I just, here's the thing. Is Tucker Carlson like some genius? Uh, like, what? Why does? Why do we have to humanize this guy who's evil and bad? Like, I, I, like, if you're appealing to, uh, that that the Ukraine is is like part of the ancestral empire of Russia from like the Byzantine Empire times, that that does nothing for me. Like, we we society has advanced past the Kievan Rus. You know, like I, I just. It, it's fascinating to learn about and to hear Dan Carlin talk about, but I don't, I don't need to hear that be an excuse for violence in, in 2024. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it makes, I don't think it makes Putin this genius intellectual to, uh, to understand Russian history, basically. Sure. Sure. I mean, I do think there is, you know, call me a Putin apologist, if you will. I think the juxtaposition. I probably, I probably will. (laughs) No, shocking. The juxtaposition between Biden and Putin is pretty stark. Like uh, that guy can whether whether the history of Russia matters at all. Like Biden can barely get a get a line, and, and even Trump too. Like, see, I think that's totally. I think that's you totally getting manipulated by mainstream media, or maybe not even mainstream media, but by like the the YouTubers that you like of being like. Yeah, because my president is a moron. The fact that this guy can recall Russian history is impressive. Well, no, I mean it's impressive compared to the, the, uh, the, the, the person who's currently ruling ruling my country. Uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying Putin is genius at all, and that he's a good guy or anything like that. Clearly, he's he's not. I mean, I think but... he's. I think he's like reasonably smart or whatever but i don't feel it's like the same way that like uh i I don't know mussolini was kind of reasonably smart but i don't i don't feel the need to to be like you know mussolini really kept those trains on time what a what a what a genius planner he was you know yeah that that quote is also uh like miss like it's not even not even true yeah um but but do you think that like it's like I, i think a lot of it was just people hate tucker you know, he's on the other side, so they hate him. So anything he does equals bad. 
like like i think clearly like we you know we interviewed bin laden we interview we interviewed they interviewed putin a bunch of times they like don't you think it's a job of these people to you know go interview them and like you can't like you can't go over to, to russia and tell putin like you're a murderous tyrant you've killed thousands of children you have uh these these people in prison who you're torturing and what are you going to do you know what i mean you can't antagonize them because a first of all it's not going to do anything He's not going to be yeah. like, oh, you're right. Oh, let me stop doing all this stuff, you know. And you're risking like your, 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 you yourself getting arrested and thrown in a gulag. So like, um, I don't know. I just, I just think like if it was, if it was, you know, I don't know, Rachel Maddow or somebody, they wouldn't be. No, I would have thought it was dumb if it was Rachel Maddow too, if it was Anderson well, Cooper. Not you. I'm saying like, you know, the left. The there's there's one person that I would listen to sit down talk with putin is dan carlin that he i i can't imagine listening to anyone else talk to him about anything not lex friedman i i've never listened to lex friedman talk for one minute not interested yeah not interested he just talks about love man love and understanding that that doesn't that doesn't do much for me uh (laughs) but it's just like i think that like for example there are a lot of countries that could have a, a grievance against I mean, the best example obviously would be Great Britain, right? Where like Ireland, if 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 uh, the Scottish army just decided, you know what, this whole island is ours. Actually, like we have the rights to this. We're going past Hadrian's Wall. We're we're blowing. I mean, Northern Ireland, right? How about Northern Ireland and and the car bombs in the seventies and stuff? Like they were well within their historical rights to do all these things. But it's you know, I mean, this is a big Dan Carlin point of like. Uh, history is really fascinating until it's not history anymore. It's just the life that you're living. Like being in the middle of history is a lot different. And how how many years in the future do you have to get before an atrocity is an atrocity anymore? And it's just a historical yeah. footnote. Like we still live in a time where the Holocaust is an atrocity, where yeah. we can look back on that and it's sad and you hear personal stories. But for example, I can read about uh, the Celtic Holocaust where Julius Caesar uh, just just killed everyone. I mean, just went out to France and 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 britain and just found a group of people murdered them killed them all it's he's celebrated as this great man this great conqueror or whatever and and you get that sense that like something something is lost there with what is going on in russia and this this attempt at the conquest of of the ukraine where it's like i i mean i just don't i just don't give a shit i don't give a shit that that the russian people came from there and that it's part of the the homeland or whatever like this is it's an atrocity it's not a reconquering thing i mean honestly i think that kind of it should be like the status quo uh of americans like if we, if we weren't americans if we were like in chile or something yeah like how ridiculous would be for like the average chilean to go like man i wish my government would give 160 billion dollars to ukraine and maybe we oh, should go get no yeah, i'm not i'm not i'm not in favor war. of sending money to the ukraine either no, but like, just think about it. It's like a really strange mindset as an American citizen that millions of Americans think that way. Like, yeah. Oh, well, America needs to get involved here. You know, like, would your average, you know, Chilean think think that? No. I would assume that would be ridiculous, right? And and it's not like like uh, we're using our you know productive, you know, rich country to produce these things, right? They're 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 printing dollars and then loading them and then and then siphoning it through the military industrial complex giving them like old weapons they bought and can't sell anymore 
you know, and, and which will never be repaid. Very, very low likelihood. It's just a money laundering scheme for the military industrial complex, but just that mindset of, Oh, we should, we should get involved. It's it'd, it'd be strange for, you know, like, just like your average Mexican, right? Like yeah. Mexico should get involved, uh, <laughs> you know, in the middle East, we should invade, uh, Kuwait, you know, like the, we're like the only country that where your average citizen, you know, thinks that way. It's so strange. Britain, Britain too. Sure. They okay. Get, I, I guess that's better. Not they nearly as much as us. Canada. I think, le- I think less now. I think less now, actually, after because they their citizenry was actually appalled by the war crimes in the war of Iraq. Like you listen to a person from Great Britain now talk about uh, Tony Blair and they're like, oh, criminal, dude. He, he fucked it like he like in a way that, you know, only people like me would ever call George Bush a war criminal like. You know, no, no one, no one walks around and calls George Bush a war criminal other than like real libs or college students or whatever. Well, it's hard for a lot of them because after Bush left and Obama got in there, all of a sudden they stopped being anti-war folks. Well, Obama was a war criminal too. Obama, Obama right. rode a, a bunch of, of kids. A lot of liberals did not say shit and still don't. Yeah, because a lot of, a lot of uh, liberals um, are, are pro-war now. Like they're into war. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting, you know, eight years from now to, to look and see how anti-war the right is still. Yeah. And, you know, it, that could be a sign that things are changing if they're still anti-war, um, which would be a good thing, obviously, for both both the stuff we believe in. But like the the I, I think the only I think the argument's pretty simple of with with in regards to America is like. Their argument is like Putin will take over Poland and will be a greater threat to America if we don't stop him now. And then the other side's argument is, well, one, we're in debt. We don't have the – it's it really has like little to no effect on us. And this money can be spent here. We have so many like pressing real problems. We're not an empire anymore. You know, We're like in a decline. I think that's basically the crux of the argument. I think that – and also – that you can escalate to World War Three, and I think I think the 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 left isn't or... isn't World War Three. It's it's impossible, right? I mean, World War Three can't happen because of the existence of nuclear weapons. Well, the, I, well, yeah, that it would be just like devastation. Yeah, yeah, because like if they started on the ground, and then one side starts losing, they're gonna just launch a nuke. Yeah. So we will never, we will not, the only, the only wars of the world moving forward will be economic wars, really. Um, You can't, you just can't, or, or, you know, countries that do not have nuclear weapons, big, big countries against smaller countries without nuclear weapons. Maybe satellites, space, uh, bio, bio uh, weapons, maybe. But if you do that, I mean, if you lose anthrax here or whatever, it can Boom, come back on you. Yeah. 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 Like EMPs, all that type of shit. Yeah. Who, who knows? But like, why even, why even tempt fate? You know, and their argument is because, you know, you're going to have to send your kids to the front lines of Germany once he takes over Poland and Lithuania. But like, my, my argument, I've said this, I don't know how many times on the podcast we do. All you have to do, I think, is look at Afghanistan. 
and you know, $2.3 trillion later, 20 years, and we couldn't even exit in an orderly fashion. These people have no clue what they're doing. They can't even leave a third world country in an orderly fashion after 20 years, 2.3 million, hundreds of lot, hundreds of thousands of lives lost, you know, thousands of American soldiers' lives. They couldn't eat. do you, and we're the wealthiest country in the nation. Do you think Russia and their economy is going to be able to hold and keep Poland and Lithuania and all the old, old former Soviet states? And even if they could. Yeah. We couldn't even exit in an orderly fashion out of Afghanistan. You think we're going to stop them? No. Yeah, there's no way. Under the current regime. I'm not saying America doesn't have the capacity. Like, obviously, if we started the whole World War II, we're all united and like, and, and, and you put competent people in charge. Sure. Yeah, we can get things done. But under this, the 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 current regime, or even if Trump gets in there, you think, you think they're going to stop? It's almost as funny as like, you know, crypto regulation. You know, yes. like- you know, before she died, like I was, you know, joke like Diana, Diane Feinstein's just on her computer, just going through the code, you know, and she's like online, she's online 15,000. And she's like, Mitch, Mitch, get in here. You know, you know, neural nets is line 1576 off. Like, it just seems off to me. I think this could be a threat to the American people of which we care so much about. Right. They're not going, they don't know shit about code. They don't know shit about crypto. Their staff doesn't know shit about it. It has nothing to do with any of this stuff. And, um, you know, and and so, like, they're just warmonger neocons. And and this is what what's beautiful about Twitter and social media, too, because if you follow the right people, you see, like, they fall apart with just the smallest bit of questioning. You know, they're just empty vessel morons, uh, completely, completely corrupt. And you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't fall for their... For their propaganda. So yeah, like the the China, the, you know, we started this with China and Russia. All that shit to me is is propaganda. And it, and then people go kind of their tribal sides and just what okay, what am I supposed to think on this this topic? I support but the, the current thing. They're getting more sophisticated. I think your average Joe is getting more sophisticated, but I don't think it matters that much because democracy is a myth and we're, <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing you could really do about it. Like you just kind of hope that the elites who take over uh, share your preferences or, or leave you alone. I mean, alone. That's, that's, every, that's every system, right? Every political system that exists is just hope that the elites in charge are on, on your side and not on the other side, right? There, there was, I wanted to talk about this. I know we're going long here, but there was this, did you see this viral clip of this? There's this girl who's on that whatever podcast and she's kind of like the destiny of, you know, she's like a girl destiny. She's, you know, you know that whatever podcast, right? It's no. Oh, I'm sure you've seen the means. Anyways. She's pretty sharp, but like she's she's like an OnlyFans girl, but she like argues for feminism and women's rights or anything. Anyways, but then I saw this guy who argued with her, and his point was that women don't have any rights, and the reason they don't have any rights is because because men, benevolent men, gift them rights because men could just take over the country. Men can have a revolution. Men are the ones who do violence, and there's nothing they could do about it if they wanted to. Um, so Maybe like that would Eddie have been, Wright's, that would have been Eddie, true before firearms, but it's not true anymore. Well, I would I would say even with firearms, I don't think I think that's that that is I think it's still true even with firearms. 
No, I, I, well, one, men could not do a revolution in this country because the government would, would send out tanks and cannons and they would be gunned down immediately. Right, but I don't think his point, ma it matters. It, ma it Like at some point, you got your rights through benevolent men. You couldn't get them through yourself because you don't because rights are enforced, right? Rights somebody somebody eventually has to have a gun and say no, you can't do that, you know, or, or muscles, you know, or a sword or something. But I think I think I think his point is is strong, and she couldn't defend it. But I do think he's wrong, um, because for the same reason people are wrong about democracy, where. It's an organized minority always beats a disorganized majority, right? They're there forever. Even after your revolution, let's say he's right, and there is a revolution, a men's revolution, you have to go back to work, right? And so um, I don't think it, it, it's, it's, an, it's, it's an organized minority, which can consist of women that eventually will have, will eventually have the power, yeah. um, not the masses. And also more reasons of you could also say the thing, same thing about weak men, right? Because strong men will dominate weak men. So not all men are even would be considered this. But then you can look at, okay, well, who are the actual leaders of men, even in like the animal kingdom or in the real world CEOs? It's usually older guys because they're respected for their knowledge and wisdom and and they're not uh they're not the strongest. They're not always the Dwayne the Rock Johnson, almost rarely they are. And like, why is that? Well, because other people will do their violence for them. Sure. So like I think I think there's a lot of reasons. And also I but don't wouldn't that would that be true for a woman too? Like a woman could just pay someone to do violence for them. Sure, it could. It could be maybe that's another point. But I think more broadly too, I don't think brute strength is the only way you can achieve power. Like women have other ways of achieving power. Right. Like clearly, like also this, these are, these are your, these are your sisters. These are your daughters. These are your mothers. So like, um, I think it's an interesting thought experiment though, of that, that he laid out, but I don't think, I don't think it fully holds water and it's probably too much to get into for a whole, for a whole podcast, but I just wanted to, I just saw this before we came. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that it, holds any water because it would just maintain that biological strength is all that matters and also it would mean that just because something happened historically that it held true forever and like obviously that's not that's not the way things work you know right i'm not sure it even held true historically uh the way he describes it but no there are in fact there are many examples of history where where women or men talked their way into power more or less but i think his but he's using it like an a fear analogy more so than an actual political uh an actual reference point through history so like he's just saying like a, a reducto you know a reductive argument of if men wanted to they would they could easily control a country and there's nothing women can do about it yeah, definitely not true. Like zero percent true. No, I think that is true. Well, it's not because they would just get murdered. They would get killed with weapons. No, what country could a man? Them. But like this, again, this is this is all men would be on the side here, 
which is why this is kind of a ridiculous argument. But an all an all men versus an all woman argument uh, army would fight to a draw. No, they wouldn't. How how could they not? That's like saying an all women's basketball team and an all women's male basketball team would fight to a draw. No, because the men, weapons are the equalizer. Men men are way better on average at shooting. Uh, you know, carrying these weapons over long distances. You you think if I you think if I picked up uh, a submachine gun right now that I would be? There's also there's also temperament. Uh, men are men are men are killers. Like they, I think that I think they're more more willing and easy to to kill. I think that that to me sounds like a cultural thing. I I, I would guess that that is not true on aggregate. I would guess that's maybe true in like Western society. In history, men have probably done like ninety-five percent of the killing. Oh yeah, yeah, but I don't think I don't think that that n- means that if both sides had an equal number of AK-47s and an equal side of bullets, that one side would be better than minus one ten than the other to win. I think it would be like minus ten thousand. I would definitely like. I I would say <laughs> that if you gave me those odds, I would I would bet. Everything. I, I would I would I'll, bet it I'll all. give you infinity odds and you could be on the other team and see how it works out for you. Yeah, and I I would win. <laughs> I, I, so. I guarantee you I would have the expected value in that one. <laughs> as as you're as you're lined up getting blindfolded, you're like, see, it was harder than you thought, wasn't it? Okay, you're right. <laughs> how hard can it be? How hard can it be to to press a button on an automatic weapon? It's got to be pretty easy. Um, no, I, well, I think becoming a uh, skilled marksman is a little, hard. I mean, what about, what about, uh, like you, you just have like cannons or not cannons. Um, yeah, like, uh, anti-aircraft stuff. I mean, it's basically just like, you, you've had nukes, right? You, you, we, we could just nuke each other. Um, yeah, well, I, honestly, I think in his analogy, uh, I'm not we, sure. hydrogen bombs, which are smaller, right? But yeah, you could. I, I guess if you if you bring nukes into it, I guess that does make it an even. I mean, that is literally that is, yeah. Like, and I guarantee you, in the world, I I would I would lay I would lay uh, but, so, all the point I have on this. There is saying, a woman who has access to nukes somewhere. But well, let let's take let's take the real life example. So if 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 Ukraine had all female soldiers, and Russia had all male soldiers, which they probably almost all do. Yeah, you're saying they're fighting to a draw. Well, no, because their resources are not equal. Let's say the resources. Let's say the resources are equal. Yeah, I assume so. Okay. Well, we'll have to disagree there. Aren't there? Aren't there lots? Don't doesn't the United States have a lot of female troops? The United States have a lot of troops in general. Yeah, they're like the lowest point they've been in compared to population, I think, ever. Well, who the fuck? I think they have something like. Who the fuck would want to join the military right now? Exactly, and. Well, I mean, they also have insulted their their base of, you know, hillbilly white boys for the past 10 years. Why would they want to join anymore? Why? Why did the white hillbillies get insulted? There's n- numerous reasons, but like culturally, you could think maybe what they think about Trump. Um, their advertising was uh, they've like started doing uh like my, you know, my parents. I had two, two, two mom parent commercials. Oh, the army! The army went woke. The army went woke. Yeah, so yeah, the other one broke. Right, right. But they changed, by the way. Some of their most recent. If you pay attention to this stuff, it's actually pretty interesting. Like their most recent one is like skydiving, very masculine, 
95% white dudes. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I, I never for one second in my life have considered being in the army or being a police officer. So that it doesn't, I, I don't even notice these things, you know, it just doesn't even register. You had to because not the American army, but I bet you thought about being in the Roman army or in world war two or world war one. You've never like once thought like, man, what would it be like to be in the trenches of world war one? That had to suck. I mean, I've listened to podcasts and read books and stuff. Like what it would be like to be on a Navy ship in World War II. It'd be like the worst thing on earth. I know, but you'd never put your, like, gun, like, what would you rather be in World War II? Would you rather have been, like, a foot soldier in Europe, the Western Front? Would you rather be on a boat? Okay, sure. I've considered that outcome. But I've never considered, I've never considered me in my actual life as Davis Maddock doing any of these things. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. In In this in real life, but you, I mean, come on, like who hasn't thought about being on, you know, like, um, you know, a pike line with Alexander the great and you're like, man, I hope I would get in the back. Yeah. The long ass pike, the guys up front could all get stabbed. Yes. Okay. That, that definitely, I've thought about what it's like to be in, um, in formation as, as one of Alexander the great's troops. That's definitely true. Yeah, of course. Come on. Um, all right. You, you're officially canceled. Uh, so this is probably the last episode of the show ever. Uh, Brian's been canceled. Um, I'm about to go on vacation. Brian is about to, uh, really perfect his methodology on how to get the perfect 17th round pick in best ball mania five. And, uh, we will be back soon. BP added more than $70 billion to the U S economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.